0: Um, my name's Javier, I'm a recovered addict, alcoholic, um, my home group is the Fort Lauderdale 12-step group, it's Tuesday nights at 8.30, um, my sobriety date is July 28th, 2014, I have a sponsor who has a sponsor, I've worked the steps as outlined in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, which is the book that you guys actually use here, um, and I sponsor other men, um... So, we're here, and um, thank you to the group for asking me to be of service. Um, Whenever I'm called, I feel a sense of responsibility to show up right. Um, And whenever I'm not called, (laughs) I still have to show up right, um, because it's too painful to live in the light and feel like you're dying Um, I'm a a pretty sensitive person so there's only so much I can take I feel like the periods where I can live outside of my integrity have become shorter and shorter and shorter the longer that I've stayed sober Um, that's for me how I end up wanting to kill myself um, sober is by living outside of my integrity and the thing is that like, I can not differentiate the true from the false, right? I don't know what I don't know. I pretend not to know things that I do know. And that's kind of just how I run around sometimes. And it's really, it's really interesting and it's pretty fascinating. Um, we're, we're starting to line ourselves up to go into spiritual surgery. This is a room full of people that are wounded healers. We're healers that can, that can help our fellows in ways that no other people can and it's a a gift that we have. Um, I sponsored someone whose father is one of the leading cancer surgeons in the country, and one of the most powerful things that I heard, he asked his dad to give him his medallion, and his dad was giving him his medallion, and he literally said, I'm one of the leading cancer surgeons in the country, and I couldn't save my son. Mm -hmm. But he came into this program and you guys saved my son. A room full of addicts and alcoholics who I'm guessing like mostly have not gone to med school. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, we definitely know how to use a needle but we did not learn that at med school. Um, (laughs) Very true. We're able to save his son and that's, that's a miracle. That's a miracle. That's that's something that's beautiful and incredible. Um and so, you know, um, the first couple times we, we've met up, you know, I really don't know what, what's going to come out of my mouth. I try not to take responsibility for that because if I do, then ego wants me to be either the best, most spiritual sp- speaker that you've ever heard in your entire life or the worst person that's ever stepped room into the rooms of any place and spoke. So um, I try to just not assume responsibility for that because... My responsibility is just to remain a clear channel, a pipeline, an instrument for God to play his message through, not my message. Um, So I try not to take responsibility for that. But since we've been here... um We've kind of started to dabble through the process of the steps. You know, we talked about the unmanageability that we experience and the powerless that we, powerlessness that we have over the drug, over the liquor, whatever your vice is. Um, And I experience powerlessness in every, lots of different areas of my life. You know, I was talking to someone earlier. I did a fifth step this afternoon, and it's like it's not like we don't know what to do. We just lack the power. We lack the application, right? Like I know that it's pretty shitty to like lie to people. I know that I probably shouldn't take things that aren't mine, you know? For the general idea, I think most of us know the difference between right and wrong. We just lack the power to apply those those principles. So there's an inner unmanageability that manifests itself outwards. There's emotional unmanageability. There's mental unmanageability. There's sexual unmanageability. There's financial unmanageability. There's every other, every kind of unmanageability that you can experience. We experience some of it when, before we come in here, and then we experience a lot of it when we get here and after we put down the drink or the drug. We experience a whole new side of unmanageability when we get sober. And it's crazy. Unmanageability of thoughts. Unmanageability of guilt associated to the thoughts. Decisions made upon the the guilt, upon the delusion. You know, like animals literally have this instinctual thing that they just know when they're in danger. As an alcoholic and as an addict, I literally always feel like I'm in danger. (laughs) And I make decisions based upon those fears that are completely delusional. And so what happens is that, like, I'm making all of these decisions based upon delusions that are spiraling out of control that are usually probably centered in self because I just want to feel okay. And then my life ends up destructive and I'm like, what the hell is going on? And then I lack the responsibility to even show up as a man and say that I'm the one that made those decisions because I wanted to feel validated. It's a lot easier for me to just blame something else, right? So I'm speaking to all of this kind of unmanageability that's unraveling and running the entire show in my life. And um, now I'm coming to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. I don't know if I came (laughs) to believe. Uh, I don't know if I found hope. I think hope found me. I don't think I found God. I think God had always found me. I think I just became aware of the fact of his presence. Right, like you can feel the wind blowing, but once you feel you're aware of the wind blowing, it's a completely different experience. You can stare at a sunset, but once you're aware of a sunset, it's fucking magnificent. There's so much that that's difference that's different between being aware of something and knowing that it's there. Um, So I came to, I I came here and and eventually hope found me. Eventually I realized that God had found me and I started to to keep doing what I was doing. I, I, I don't think that at the pace that I came in here, I, I didn't slow down and smell the roses because I would most likely have picked them, crushed them up, and smoked them. So I just needed to keep going. Like I didn't have like, the, the time to really like, try to figure out what was happening because every time I tried to figure out what was happening in my life, I destroyed it and it hurt too much because it didn't make any sense and it probably wasn't even true to begin with. So, like, it was just, it never really, so, like, at the rate that I came in, like, I didn't have time to experience, like, what's step one and what's step two. Like, I just, like, they threw me into a book and I started doing the steps because I knew that if I had tried to figure out my life, shit was going to hit the fan. And shit's going to hit the fan regardless. It literally says in the book that, like, if I don't, uh, the alcoholic that fails to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice, For others will not survive the trial and the low spots ahead. I think I paraphrased like a little bit of that, but like that makes, you know, like it literally is going to say, it literally says, will not survive the trial and the low spots ahead, the trials and the low spots, not if there's trials and low spots. It literally tells us that there's going to be trials. There's going to be low spots. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be tragedies. There's going to be endings. And that's why we have to break away from all of the things that we're attached to and attach ourselves to the one thing that's infinitely true and infinitely forever, which is God. Because everything else that we attach ourselves to, including AA, including CA, including our sponsor, and including those steps, can eventually fail us. But the one thing that will never fail is God, which is the purpose of a sponsor and the steps and the program to connect us to. And I need to continue to do those things so that I can stay connected to that. And, that I, and, and not stay connected to the program because the program's not going to keep me sober. Just like a gym membership isn't going to keep me fit. And attending church isn't going to keep me from sinning. Right, so I'm I'm starting to to move through this process and step three I'm looking at control. Control, 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 control. I've wanted to control every single thing in my life and everything that I've ever tried to control has inevitably ended up controlling me. I'm trying to control the relationship, the relationship's controlling me. I'm trying to control my finances, what's controlling me, my finances. I'm trying to control everything that I'm putting in my body, what's controlling me, all of this stuff that I'm putting in my body, like I'm trying to control and anything that I'm trying to control is inevitably going to try to control is uh, what's controlling me. And whatever I'm thinking about the most is what I'm worshiping. Whatever I'm holding in high regard. How many times a day do we think about God? How many times a day do we say, thank you, God? How many times a day do we ask God Right? It says, Faith has to work in and through us 24 hours a day. But what my 23 hours usually look like is like, am I going to be in this relationship forever? Am I going to have this job forever? Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Why am I not here where I want to be in life? This person's got more than I've got. This person has less than I've got. I'm better than this person. I'm not as attractive as this person. Am I going to be working retail for the rest of my life? What's going to happen with the halfway houses? What's going to happen with my finances? What am I going to do if my mom and dad don't like aren't going to be there? for the rest of my life. What happens if this person breaks up with me? Should I cheat on this person? Should I not cheat on this person? Have I masturbated today? Have I masturbated too much? Should I watch porn? Should I not watch porn? Have I prayed? Have I not prayed? Where am I going? What am I not doing? What am I going to eat? Did I drink enough water today? Like, there's so many things that are going on. That's like 90%, right? Like, but where am I stopping and saying, like, thank you, God. You know, there's, there's rarely a morning that my first thought in my head is not, thank you, God, for waking me up. Because I've trained myself to say that even if I don't feel it. Because there are some mornings where I don't feel the presence of God. There are some mornings that I do not wake up rejoicing and grateful to be able to go to work. But I need to remember to still say that. And so I still open my eyes and the first thing that that I think of is, thank you, God. That's the first thought. Then I literally roll out of bed and hit my knees and say the Our Father, and then kind of just go with the flow with whatever happens from there. So in this process now, I'm, I'm surrendering control. I'm, you know, I, I lived the majority of my life trying to control everything, and it was really painful trying to control me, and not just trying to control everything in my life, but trying to control every single personality around me, right? Last week we talked about like, I don't know what's more stressful, trying to control myself, trying to control eight people in a halfway house or going to bed thinking about how eight different people could be doing a better job of running their mm. lives. Like, it's not it's not enough for me to try to control my life. I'm going to sit here in bed and try to think about how 20 other people could be living their best lives in 20 different ways and how 20 people are doing everything wrong. And I'm just sitting there judging and judging and judging and criticizing and criticizing and criticizing and, like, looking at all of this stuff and I'm driving myself crazy trying to control everybody, trying to control myself and... It's just not working out for me. And when I got here again, like, I was so tired. I was literally just exhausted from trying to control everything. Because it's real, like, if you've lived your life on self-will, you know what tired is. When you're just too tired to cry, too tired to even feel, too tired to be angry, too tired to react to any kind of physical, mental, sexual, or emotional abuse too tired to do anything different, too tired to even kill yourself and too tired to try to live so you're just existing. And so in step three, I'm saying, like, God, you run the show. You do whatever it is you want me to do. If, if you want me to work here, I'll work over here. If you want me to do this, I'll do this. If you want me to, whatever it is you want me to do, just tell me what to do because I'm so fucking tired of trying to figure this shit out that whatever you tell me to do, I will do. And that's, like, what surrender did for me because you're you're speaking to somebody who had such a huge ego that, like, I tried to micromanage my unmanageability. I tried to keep all of the pieces together, but there were so many holes in the bucket and water was just coming out of everything and I I couldn't save it. I needed to completely discard that and get a brand new bucket that was going to hold the water because there was just it was beyond repair. You know, I came into this room bleeding from every place metaphorically that i could think of wanting to get help and then that's the other fucked up thing you know have you ever been to an emergency room and you lie there and look around and be like why is this guy coughing why is this bitch asking for help how come this person's not getting better yet but we walk into the rooms of alcoholics anonymous and that's what we do to each other we walk into the rooms of cocaine anonymous and that's why we judge each other how come this person's not spiritually fit yet haven't they been here like three months How come this girl keeps sleeping with all the guys? Hasn't she know what self love is? How come this guy keeps sleeping with all the girls? How come this person said that they've been through their steps but are walking around being a fucking fuck boy? Like we come into these rooms, which is like a spiritual emergency ward and we're criticizing why people are getting better and why people aren't getting better. As if all of us don't know how deep the knife cuts into our souls. Like I had this moment when I I'd gotten, around like my second year of sobriety, where I realized that like I was doing to everybody what my parents did to me. I was the overly critical friend that was, that any time you were around, you always felt like you were not good enough. And I don't think anybody in the rooms comes in feeling like they're good enough. You know, and it's just like, it's really a shame. It's a shame that we still tear each other to pieces and and it's like as if we don't know what that feeling is. And then like I ask myself like what would make me happy and what would make me like content, you know? And it's usually pretty vicious, you know? The person that I'm envious about, I want to see their lives completely destroyed. The person that's worshiping money, I want to see them go bankrupt and be homeless and ask me to buy them a burger. The person that is experiencing love, I want them to experience being cheated on and have the relationship completely destroyed and see their heart broken. That's what envy, that's what jealousy does. It just looks around and wants to destroy the other person that's experiencing what what we feel like Mm -hmm. that we don't have. And it's disgusting. It's really disgusting, and that's what's kind of what we're inching into now. We're inching into step four, which shows us what's really making us tick. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that like, I, I, I'm, I don't have a problem talking about all these things, that, that my brokenness, my ugliness, my darkness, it's here on display for you because I know that today I have a God that's brighter than that, that performs miracles greater than that and has turned all of the tragedy that i have inside of me and is just slowly working towards triumph you know i know that the mess is a message i know that i don't have that shame I, I try not to have that pride where i'm not going to speak about these things because this shit is real that's the that's how i walk around you know and in step 4 what i'm doing is i'm i'm coming up to the spiritual healer that I've asked to heal to be that person in my life, which is my sponsor, and I'm giving him a diagnostic, like he's helping me develop a diagnostic, right? So if we're sick and dying, we go to the doctor, the doctor gives you a strep test or a flu test or a blood test. He looks at you and he's like, okay, these are all of your physical symptoms. This is why you're physically sick. And so I'm going to prescribe you something to make you physically better. So in step four, what we're doing is we're giving somebody the, the symptoms that are making us spiritually sick. And, and there, I, I'm, I'm a chronic relapser. And whenever I, I get asked to sponsor someone that's a chronic relapser, my first go-to is what have you not gotten honest about? What are you still holding on to that is completely drowning you? What are you so afraid of that is not allowing you to be free? Because I came in here, I didn't even come in here to get sober. That was kind of like a plot twist that just happened to happen. But like now, like, I don't even like, so like, I I didn't come in here to get sober, but that happened. But I didn't stay to stay sober. I stayed because I wanted to be free. Sobriety is like, cool, but have you ever felt freedom? And if you haven't, you're really shortchanging yourself. I've experienced glimpses of freedom and I continuously want more in my life. More freedom. And so in step four, what happens is like I'm giving somebody a spiritual symptoms list of why I'm, what I'm plagued with, what I'm suffering from, what's killing me, what's this cancer that I have inside of my spirit that's destroying me. And when we refuse to put things down out of pride and then it doesn't work... We want to blame AA or blame our sponsor. We want to sue AA for malpractice (coughs) when we're the ones that weren't honest. That's like me going to the doctor and being like, I'm not allergic to anything, knowing that I'm allergic to like penicillin and them giving me penicillin and then me trying to sue them. That's literally what it's like. And so... (coughs) Pride has to be completely destroyed. And then there's also like as honest and thorough as I can be. Because it's not like I come into this room fully conscious of everything, right? And so I have to be as honest and thorough as I can be. And over time, the honesty and the thoroughness has to evolve. Just as I build a tolerance to drugs and alcohol, this disease builds a tolerance to God. This disease builds a tolerance to the level of truth and the level of things that are acceptable in the beginning to the end or whenever the end may be. So, like, I need to continue to evolve. I need to continue to seek out more spirituality, more truth, more honesty, more depth, more thoroughness. I can't go to the gym and do the same weight and expect results. All the, like I can't that's literally not possible if I keep lifting the same weight at the gym I'm eventually going to plateau and not get anything I need to switch it up I need to up my weight and so that's what God does and sometimes the way that he decides to up my weight is not the way that I want it to be upped <laughs> which kind of sucks but that's why I've got an entire army full of people that are there to spot me right and so in step 4 i'm looking at what's making me tick resentments fears sex harms right there's so many different and anything like resentments really there's really not many justifiable there's not one justifiable resentment and i'll tell you why it's not justifiable because the reason that it the reason that it's not justifiable is because of what it does to us I'm not saying that we don't have a right to be angry or that we don't have a right to be sad or be hurt, you know. But what's happening in step four for me is I'm owning my story and my story is no longer owning me. I'm owning my emotions and my emotions are no longer owning me. My past, I'm owning my past and my past is no longer owning me. I am becoming responsible in step four for my emotions, for my past, and for everything I've done. But if I'm not able to assume that role, then I'm in for even a more painful journey, you know? And that's usually what happens because I have to learn through pain. So in my resentments that I'm looking at, I'm looking at like, you know, I'll give you a couple of different ones. Like, I was resentful at, at my parents for not for always being overly critical and ignorant and not understanding me and like all of this other stuff, right? I was so resentful at them. And like what, what happened is that over time I realized that I dehumanized them. I didn't even look at them as human beings. I didn't even look at them as like people almost. Like, I had this idea in my head that a mom and a dad is supposed to be this way, just the way that they had an idea in their head that our firstborn son that we've sacrificed everything for is going to be this way. I was literally doing to them what they were doing to me, right? And then also, like, the resentments are like this weird, inter, like, disgusting game of connect the dots. I was resentful at somebody for cheating on me. Eventually, I became the cheater. I was resentful at somebody for hurting me and eventually I became the person that was hurting the other person. And so like all of my resentments started to show up and started to connect dots in different areas of my life. And then there were also like core resentments and all the really like these five or 10 core resentments, what they really did was just continue to show up in my life in my 10, 20s, and then now 30s. Like, but they just kept changing masks. I was never, like, resentful at, like, a huge amount of different things. I was always resentful at the same exact thing. The story continued to repeat itself in my life over and over and over again. They just kept making, like, newer versions of the same fucking movie. That's what was happening in my life. And so, like, in the fourth step, I'm tracing back. It's so crazy because it... In this program, we literally have the power to change our past. We can literally time travel. It's possible. Because the way that I live life today is literally, like, not the same that I lived it before. I changed my past. Or God did, because I allowed him to. And so, like, it literally just, and then with that changing, it changed my, it changed the outcome of my future, and like the resentments like again like they're just there's not justifiable you know i my cousin like did some sexual stuff when i was young and for a long time i was like he molested me i was raped when i was younger like it was so dramatic because this disease will make me believe anything that it needs to believe in order to keep me in that victim trap in that state of powerlessness in that state where i don't have responsibility for my life you know and so there's i i'm a big advocate too for outside help like there's people that come to me because, like, I speak all... To, I speak about all these things openly because I want... If there's someone in the room, if there's another man in the room that thinks that, like, it's not okay to talk about this stuff and then ends up dead because their pride's more important than them saving their lives, I'd rather talk about that stuff. So that's really the only reason. But, like, what this disease does is it, like, takes all of that stuff and makes it even crazier. But... um I have people that come up to me with like stuff that you need trauma therapy for. Like, I'm not a trauma therapist. I can't help you process your trauma. But what I can do is point you in the right direction, right? But you have to be willing to, to do that. And maybe you're not willing in the beginning, but eventually, if you want to be free, we have to take a look at that stuff. Eventually, if you want to be healed, if you want to experience the, a relationship, if you want to experience love, we need to be healed of that stuff. And so our sponsors really, it's the first introduction to that, and then, like, I'll point you in the right direction because I'm, I'm not qualified to do that. And even if I was, I wouldn't, like, do that with a sponsor because that's not, like, that's crazy. So I'm looking at resentments, and I'm looking at, like, the, what's really been running the show. And it's always been about me. It was never about you. I always thought that I was the knight in shining armor, but really I was just the really scared little kid who was dying for validation. And no matter how much validation you gave me, it was never enough. Um, I was only nice to you because I needed something from you. I wasn't, I wasn't genuinely a nice guy. That was taken advantage of. Everybody took advantage of me. Yeah, everybody took advantage of me because I wanted something and they just they didn't give me what I wanted. You know, it also showed me like, if I'm showing up to work, am I giving 100% because I know that God wants me to give 100% or am I giving 100% because I want more money and I want them to give me a raise and I want my boss to say that I'm the best damn employee that she's ever hired in her entire life and I want them to promote me and make me CEO of the company. Like, am I showing up to work and doing all of that because I'm attached to the belief that they're supposed to give me that? Or am I showing up to work super grateful and super like I'm here to work for God and God's given me this opportunity to have a job and I'm gonna do the best damn job that I can because he's blessed me with this. Am I showing up with that attitude or am I showing up with the expectation and then when they, don't, when they show up and don't give me that raise, Or overschedule them, you know. Like, and then like the person that's like, I don't want to say no to my boss when they ask me to work times that I'm not supposed to work because I'm afraid of what they're going to think of me. But then I don't go to as many meetings as I'm supposed to be going to, or I don't start or I stop working my program because I'm so afraid that my boss is going to judge me for saying no. And then they end up relapsing, and then they're like, Wait, why did that happen? It's like because we've been compromising our integrity the entire time. Like, I don't want to work, so why am I going to work? And then I'm blaming someone else because I decided to go to work. But I was the one that was afraid that they were going to judge me. And it was more important for someone else not to judge me and me to be prideful. And because I'm worshiping pride, I'm not even worshiping God. It's more like if I think that what you think of me is more important than what God thinks of me, like newsflash, like you guys are my God, not God. Right? That's crazy right and it's like this is what's happening right now is like I'm going from like the truth about God in one, two, and three to the truth about myself, God, myself, and another human being. The obstacles in my path are all of the things that are blocking me from experiencing the sunlight of the spirit. The obstacles in my path are all of the things that I've placed in front of me for protection because I'm a scared little boy and all I want to do is feel safe and protected. And I think that if by building this wall, it's gonna keep me safe and protected, but all it's really doing is blocking the sunlight from allowing me to to grow. And so in step four, I'm starting to deconstruct that. Right and fears, I'm looking at what I'm afraid of. What's been running the show, driven by a hundred forms of fear. I'm usually driven by a thousand forms of fear. And the things that I'm afraid of aren't even real. The, the, I tend to think in forevers. Isn't, that's, like, that's a scary thing, right? And I know that like a lot of you can relate. Like We sit here, and, or we sit anywhere. We're driving in our car and we're like, am I going to live here forever? Am I going to have this job forever? Am I going to live in halfway forever? Am I going to be in this relationship forever? Am I going to be single forever? Am I going to be broke forever? We, th- we literally think in forevers. And the only thing that's forever is God. Everything else is not. The job, the relationship, the money, everything else is not forever. God's the only thing that's Forever. But I'm making all of these decisions based upon, like, all this delusional reality. So, like, that's why it's so crazy that, like, I just can't even, like, explain it. Like, I'm afraid of things that aren't real. I make decisions based upon those delusional fears. I create all of this alternative reality based upon the fears. And I do all of these things. I'm building, like, this pseudo world. And then, like, it's just crazy because, like, that's what's happening in my life. And then I can't even handle all of that. So then I'm doing all these drugs to cope with the fact that I'm doing that. Like... Like here, okay, so we can slide into sex because I had a conversation with a sponsee earlier. Uh, no pun intended by sliding into sex. But like, um, so a guy, one of my guys calls me this afternoon and he's like, I, 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 this person's in town and I might need an overnight so that I could go spend the night with her. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And he's like, is that okay? And I was like, listen, man, I think that you're in the space in your life where you can really just make that decision for yourself. Like, I've worked the steps with you. You've been sober quite some time. And I think that you're intelligent enough to make the right choice. And he's like, okay, but what do you think? (laughs) (laughs) And I think he regret asking me that because he never asked me for the overnight. I said, this is what I think. I think that this girl... This sweet, innocent, non-alcoholic girl likes you a lot. And I think that she likes you a lot because she's been driving down every other weekend from her college in Central Florida to see you. I think that you were completely honest with her when you told her, I'm not looking for anything serious. I think you were, very, you were, you were so honest with her. Great job for being so honest. Okay, first off, you were honest with her about that just so you could not feel guilty about having sex with her. Like that's why you really did it, right? Okay, cool, so now you get to say that you were honest with her because you told her you you don't wanna be in a relationship, right? And then she told you, I'm also looking, I'm cool with that, I'm looking for the same thing. But the truth is, is that you're, you're, you're so smart, you're so smart that you know that she wants to be in a relationship. And you know that she's holding on to hope, thinking that if she comes down every other weekend and satisfies you, that eventually you're going to change and you're going to fall in love with her and you guys are gonna ride off into the fucking sunset. <laughs> right? You know that. You know that she thinks that. And he's like, yeah, I do know that. And I'm like, okay, so if you know that and you told her that you don't want anything serious, but you know that she's holding on to hope thinking that, she's, that it is something serious, but you're still choosing to not think that you know that, and you're participating in this relationship, you're kind of raping her. You're raping her of her integrity. And you're destroying her because you know the truth and you are still going against it. So there's absolutely no truth in the relationship your honesty is completely compromised. Furthermore, you feel like a piece of shit because you're doing shitty things. I love when, when Pat Rogan said that, it stabbed me in the heart because sometimes I walk around and I'm like, oh, I feel like such a piece of shit. And then he's like, you're probably doing shitty things. And I'm like, fuck, I am doing shitty things. <laughs> the alcoholic leads a double life. If your head hits the pillow at night and you feel like a piece of shit, I really invite you to invite someone else into your life and take a look at what you're doing. Because there's probably like 10 to 20 things that you could easily change that will help you not feel like a piece of shit. Such as getting up in the morning early and praying and showing up to work and brushing your teeth. I had to learn how to brush my teeth because when you're on you really don't think about brushing your teeth. (laughs) Like I literally had to learn how to brush my teeth. And some nights I still have to force myself to brush my teeth at five years at almost five years sober i'm lying on the couch watching game of thrones and i'm like i can skip one night (laughs) like i'm literally still learning to brush my teeth (laughs) wow but going back to this conversation so i'm like okay so and you i can you feel like a piece of shit, right and he's like yeah and i'm like okay so this is what's really happening you feel like a piece of shit. you're so scared that to actually pursue a relationship with somebody that's on the same level as you, that you're going for somebody that's easily to manipulate, which is probably within the age range of 19 to 22 or 23, right? So you're going within that age range because she's, easily to mani- she's easy to manipulate instead of going after somebody that, that is at your level, because you're intelligent you're good looking you've got a lot of stuff going for you like if you show up to a woman that's on your level and you're like yo i'm just looking to smash and she's like bet i am too i bet that woman's out there but you're too scared to go after that so it's a lot easier to be driven by fear go after someone that's easily to manipulate compromise your own integrity feel like a piece of shit and not change for the rest of your life like how crazy is that you're going to be stuck in that cycle because you're being driven by fear. I'm afraid of, what, of actually pursuing what I really want, so I'm going to go after somebody that's easy to manipulate, compromise my integrity, feel like a piece of shit. If I feel like a piece of shit, I'm going to be more afraid of all of this stuff. How are you supposed to build? And then you're just going to stay in that cycle. I feel like a piece of shit. I'm going to manipulate somebody to feel better. It, it, I know that it's not going to work, so I'm going to feel like more of a piece of shit, and I'm just going to keep doing that until I relapse. I'm going to keep doing that until I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. I don't know what happened. Where did this cocaine come from? Like, Like I've sat with people in a driveway, and they're crying, and they're telling me, like, I don't know how this happened. And I'm like, okay, we really don't need to figure this out right now, but, like, we just need to get you help. But I promise you, I promise you we're going to figure out what the fuck you did. (laughs) (laughs) and that's how we live our entire lives that's how we live our entire lives change change the girl to a job change the job to a friendship (coughs) that's how we live our entire lives we, we are living we're consciously living unconsciously which is crazy. We're living, we're awake, but asleep. And so in this step, we're about to wake up. We're about to wake up and see what is really happening. (laughs) What is really going on. And this is, now we're transitioning into like when the men become the men and the women, or the boys become the men and the girls become the women because if you have the courage To really look at what you're doing, then maybe you deserve to call yourself a man. But until then, you're just like a really nicely dressed up fuckboy. Like, And and if you're not like outwardly a fuckboy, then you're a closet fuckboy. There's only two kinds, those are the two kinds. And I could, like, go home from this and be like, life's so great. Wake up tomorrow and be a total fuckboy. So it's like, I'm not even, like, omitted from this. Like, please don't just, please do not, like, take that away from me. (laughs) (laughs) So then I'm about to step into, like, and it says, like, we can look as, we can look the world in the eye. In the fifth step promises, it says that we can be alone at perfect peace and ease. The drink problem feels like it's been removed. We can look at the world in the eye. I have this weird theory that I think it says, and I don't know if it's my theory or if I heard it somewhere. I probably heard it somewhere because I can't take credit for anything. But like, it's, why does it say we can look the world in the eye again? Why does it say we, we can look at the world in the eyes? Because we can't exist in duality. I, if we looked at the world in the eyes, it would mean that there would be two but there isn't two. There isn't double life. There isn't two gods. There isn't two truths. There's only one truth. There's only one God, and may you find him now. It can look, whatever, you, whatever your God of your understanding is, it can look like, but it doesn't tell you gods. It says God. One God, one truth. So when we can look at the world in the eye, we're looking at the truth if we have the courage and the capacity to be able to do that. And courage is just fear that has said its prayers. That's all that courage is. I pray over all of the things that I'm afraid of and I just ask that God give me the courage to be able to change that stuff. And so like, this is just, it's, the fourth and the fifth step is so beautiful to me because I'm such a judgmental piece of shit. And there's like people in front of me pouring themselves out and I look at them and I just want them to be loved. I just want them to know that it is okay. It is okay. There is nothing that you have done that, that can be not, like, you are just, you're, you're so, you're going to be okay. Like, And if, it's just crazy to me. It's crazy to me that I can be, that I can be that. And, I, and it's not that I can be, it's that God's making it possible for me to be that. And that's why like, I love this step and it's so sacred to me because it shows me how God can really transform me. I can go from judging somebody to sitting somebody in front of somebody and hearing so many things and being like, you're so worthy, you're so worthy of being sober, you're so worthy of having an amazing life. You're a magnificent child of God and he loves you so much and I just want you to feel that love. That's not me, that's God. And it also breaks you open. It breaks you open. You know, you hear things and you see things that you have never heard and yet you have never seen. And it leaves no room for judgment. No more room for judgment. That's another thing that I've really learned. It, neutral, it levels the playing field. Because all it does is show me that everybody here is really fucked up everybody here has been through shit and if you haven't been through the shit that I've been through you have felt like I have felt everybody knows what it's like to not feel good enough at the end of the day the fourth step and the fifth step have just shown me what everybody's done so that they could feel safe so that they could feel loved and so that they could feel protected and cared for because that's what every single person wants in this room. They just want to wake up in the morning and feel okay. We just want to wake up in the morning and feel like somebody fucking loves us, like really loves us. And we don't want to be alone because it's scary to be alone and it's sad to be alone. I just want to be, I literally just want to be loved. And my fourth step just shows all of the crazy fucked up shit that I did trying to be loved. And it's about to introduce me to this most infinite love that I have never experienced and don't even know how to put into words. But it is something that is anchored within my soul and cemented within my soul. The connection that I have with God cannot be severed. It can only be ignored through my own ignorance. And that's all I have tonight.